says tech can't be human? Everybody thought I was insane. Who would quit teaching after 17 years? For God's sakes, are you out of your mind? Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And with us, we have a guest that has described themselves to be born on the wrong sides of the track. And they've even failed their way to success. And not just little success, but a great extent of success. Our guest this episode is Rob White. Rob has recently authored a new book, The Maestro Monologue, which we're going to jump into. But he's helping others discover their genius, defeat, self-impose intruders, and design their destiny. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, uh, Chris and Ron. I'm excited about this. We are super excited to talk to you because we talk about success quite a bit, but we talk about small success. But it sounds like you really talk about both small success and really big success. But before we get to all of that, for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, I would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Well, I was born in a small mill town, um, impoverished small mill town, and on the wrong side of the tracks in that town, meaning fraught with alcoholism, resentment, victim mentality. So I was born into a conversation where the best you could do is barely make it through life. And from there, I had to recreate myself anew several times to where I am now, and I say it only as a measure, I don't say it arrogantly, but worth tens of millions of dollars. If money is a measure, then that certainly helps to validate what I talk about. So at age 15, I was a wise guy, and I knew how to be a, a very successful wise guy. I know how to shoplift. I know how to smoke behind your back. I know how to throw uh, eggs at cars, all kinds of good wise guy stuff. And one day I made a snide remark in the cafeteria to the principal. And he called me in the office and said, uh, you know, Bobby, that's what I was called back then. This is grounds for suspension. Back then you could suspend someone for a week easily. Today it's a lot more difficult. Right. He said, but you know, I just want to bring something up. I've watched you over the last couple of years and you're a winner. But the problem is you're going to win at losing because you've got real good at being a loser. And I think you'll probably get a big award for being a loser and you'll end up working in the local mill and, and be married a couple of times and you'll be at the local gin factory all weekend whining about your job. That's what's coming up for you and you'll win well at that. Or you can wise up and win at winning. Well, I've never heard a conversation like that 
uh, Ron and Chris. I'd never heard a conversation that you have a choice. I didn't even think the word choice was something that was available. It was, I am what I am. And like Popeye the Sailor Man said, I am what I am, and that's what I am. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so I, I buckled down, got a job, got good grades the last two, and went to college first one in my family, for sure, and one of the rare few in the town. From there, I taught for 17 years in the big city of Boston, which, by the way, I went to Boston by myself in a car I bought my senior year with no friends in Boston, no idea where I'm going to live or what I'm going to do. I just showed up. Uh, and that took that I absolutely die of the I am that I was, which is a small mill town boy. So what I've noticed is there's two of us. There's the me that is limited and there's me, the maestro. And when I turn to me, the maestro, I must constantly die of, and I use that term very uh, significantly, of the I am I was that had me making it as a small town middle boy. I was now a big city school teacher. But I found after 17 years, secretly I wanted to be a multimillionaire and have fancy cars and two homes and one in Nantucket. So I had to let go of I am Boston big city, raw big city school teacher and become entrepreneur, making millions of dollars. So I quit teaching based on that with nobody to help me. I had no idea how or, or what. And just given that I got that, if I was willing to let go of the I am that stopped me from being that and adopt the I am that allowed me to be that, that's the maestro, very capable of conducting my daily affairs and orchestrating my destinies as I want them to be. So in order to do it, I had to be willing to just stand on nothing and believe in possibility. So I quit. And everybody thought I was insane. Who would quit teaching after 17 years? For God's sakes, Bobby, you know, three more years, you got a limited retirement plan for your life, and you got a full-time health plan for you. Are you out of your mind? Just stay for 20 years. I can't. I, I, I got to get on with my life. I'm dying here. And it's not that I hated teaching. It's just that I had a dream that was bigger than that, and I was forsaking it in the name of I am a school teacher in a big city, and that's all I can do. I am what I am. So I quit, walked down the street, saw a book, brand new, picked it up, turned it over, and it said, How to Get Rich in Real Estate by Robert Kent. Well, there mm. you go. That was my sign. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Well, over the next 15 years, I went from nothing and had no contacts in real estate. I just paid attention to what the book said. I, I attracted the right and perfect people because I was vibrating yes to it. And I made tens of millions on the East and West Coast as a real estate developer. And then one day while I was sitting in a fancy restaurant at Crow's Nest in Santa Cruz on the ocean, right near my oceanfront home at that point, I thought I should have a restaurant like this. You know what? I'm <laughs> going to become a restaurateur. And in that moment, I turned my back on real estate and I turned myself to, I'm a, I am a very successful restaurateur, had no friends in it, had no contacts, simply dove in knowing that if I paid attention to what I was doing, and by the way, failing my way to success, the only way you learn is by taking massive action and making mistakes. And the only difference between me and people who don't have grand, uh, grand successes is they think they should be careful that they don't make mistakes. Big mistake, biggest mistake you can make. Right. I made tons of mistakes. 
When I was making millions in real estate, I also lost millions, but I made a lot more millions than the millions I lost. In Santa Cruz, again, I was building 52 single family homes when, in fact, the San Andreas earthquake struck and and wiped out the entire project. And uh, I lost uh, $7 million in that project. So I don't want you to think it's all just cupcakes and whipped cream. And but and I constantly here is a big one. You too. Are you when something goes wrong, the last thing you want to do is say, oh, my God, there's something wrong here. What I say is, my God, what could the possibility be? I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. What a difference. It's all in the attitude and how you look at it. Because the moment I would look at, oh, my God, what's happening to me? Poor me. I can promise you I am now digging a deeper hole than I was in just five seconds earlier than that. But when I was willing to say there's got to be a possibility here, and I know it's going to take a while, but let me find it. It's that attitude of mine. It's that absolute believing in yourself. Oh, ye of little faith. Faith in what? Faith in thyself. So it was, again, that I died of being a real estate entrepreneur and took on restaurateur and did an incredible job and made tens of millions in the restaurant business, had three incredible restaurants right here in the city of Boston, where I still have a home, as well as out in California. And from there, I have now become an author, a philosopher, and a poet. And the part I want you folks to get is I am an author, a philosopher, and a poet. I have died of being a restaurateur and a real estate developer and a, a big city Boston school teacher. I have borne myself of what I have just shared that I am that I am. And, and I'm 78, going on 58, feeling as vital and alive and passionate as I felt at 28. And the reason I'll keep going is because I get that I keep growing when I'm willing to let go of what I was that limits me. So that's what my book's about. That's what life's about. And that's what I'm about now sharing with folks, including you great folks I'm speaking with now. There is so much to unpack in what you just said. And I see it as two things, two big things that I really picked up on. We had chess grandmaster Maurice Ashley on the podcast at one point. And uh, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is he said, in order to be a grandmaster or become a grandmaster, you have to be a grandmaster. You have to live with the mindset, with the inspiration, with the energy of the thing that you are looking to become. Much like when you went into the real estate business, you couldn't be the old you stepping into the new you. But the other thing that's interesting is that a lot of people, once they find that little bit of success, they tend to say that this is who I am. When they become successful in real estate, this is who I am. I'm a real estate person. They feel like that if they change and do something else, that who they are is going to die in a negative way. You're saying die in a great way, but I think they do have this fear that, oh, but this is who I am. I do real estate. I am a real estate agent. So how do you talk people through that mindset that, oh, I have to be beholden to this thing when you definitely showed that you can transition and do other things? Well, you know, I love that question. When I was born, when I say I, me, I mean every one of us. I don't think I'm special at all, and I think we're all special. When I was born, I was born the maestro, fully capable of conducting myself in a way that would be successful. And that's why I took on walking and talking and reading and writing at an early age. You too, everyone. 
Because if you tried doing that stuff at age 40, you'd be done. You'd still be trying to stand up on your two hind haunches and mumbling. <laughs> so you do it before the intruder, the unwanted mental house guest, the counterfeit self is born. During the terrible twos, which is much more terrible for the child than the parent, the intruder is born. You get hit with 60,000 no's from age two to five. And by age five, you have identified with an I am, with a being that is flawed. Because what you now notice is there's something wrong with me. I can't even pull the cat's tail without dad yelling at me. I can't even play with my boat in the toilet water without mom yelling at me. There's got to be something wrong with me. And that's when you gave birth to the unwanted mental house guest I call the intruder, the insecure self, the inferior self. That is an illusion, but you take it as real. And that's what has us stop when we become good at something. We think, oh, let's not push the envelope here now. We're lucky we got this far. But when you get that there's no end to what you can be, and life is about being and being and being and bringing on something new. I remember sitting down and having lunch with Muhammad Ali years and years ago. I had the good fortune of sitting with him. I am the greatest. I mean, he was, he declared to the world as a, if no one knows who he is, heavyweight boxing champ who became great in other ways also besides boxing years ago. But when he dared to say in 1962, I believe, I am the greatest. And he was just a rookie boxer taking on this big lug of a heavyweight champion who had been in prison half of his life of slaughtering people. He took on and announced it to the world, and then he had faith in himself he could deliver on it, and he did. And it offended so many people. How dare him, the arrogance of him? Who does he think he is? Well, don't let others come across and, and share with you you don't have what it takes. He said, I am the greatest. He then died of the amateur boxer he was, and he birthed himself into the greatest heavyweight champion ever. So it's that I am that you declare with faith in yourself, self-trust, knowing the world really here, the world is here to support you. And if you're up to just barely making it, it will support you in ways that you'll just barely make it. If you're into losing, it'll support you in ways that you will win at losing. But if you're into really feeling alive in life and taking on challenges, I can promise you, if you have the courage to step forward, you will never, never, ever regret it. Powerful. That is power right there. I love it. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix, analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S.com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. A lot of the books that I read, especially about philosophy, meditation, they describe this intruder as the big judge. But the way that you've 
framed it is actually more interesting. Like this is someone that's slowly been gaining rent, slowly been gaining uh, coverage and and real estate in your house, in your mind, and convincing you to do things that you don't necessarily believe that you should do, this intruder. And once you kick that person out, once you make that intruder die, it sounds like you get freedom, freedom to do what you want, freedom to proclaim who you are to the world, and freedom to go out and do that thing. What does freedom mean to you exactly? It sounds like you've unlocked this new wave of freedom, but how would you define that? Well, freedom is possibility is power. So when I'm willing to take on the intruder, which by the way, I was born and in two years later, I gave birth to the intruder, meaning, yes, my parents said no, and sometimes harshly and sometimes lovingly, and sometimes because I was just driving them crazy. But I took those no's and I molded them into a character that I then identified with which was to protect myself and be safe and do whatever I had to do to get by. But what I got was, until I was willing to own it, that it's me, that I put that other self together, only then can I cast it aside. Even today, by the way, Chris and Ron, I want you to get once in a while, sometimes when something happens, and I go, oh, my God, how could this be? COVID, oh, COVID. That's when the intruder comes in and takes over and says, oh, my God, you're 78. You're going to die of COVID for sure. Whatever it says, and here's how I confront it. I say, oh, you're good. Oh, you're good. I see what you're up to here. See, I do want to change one thing you said, Ron. You never get rid of the intruder, and you learn how to handle it real quickly. And whenever it shows up and starts giving me a downcast point of view about anything, oh, the economy now, what am I going to do? Oh, my book, uh, is it going to take, take off and be a bestseller or am I going to flop? Oh, you're good. I talk right to it because I own mm. it. By owning it, I can choose not to be it. If I deny it, resist it, insist it's not there or push at it, I empower it. So I acknowledge it when it shows up. Whoa, you're good. Look, you got me all upset. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And in that instant, I can choose to be the maestro once again. <laughs> wow. This resonates with me so well, not only because of what you're saying, and I'm sure this applies to a lot of folks, but also this is pretty much how I naturally am. We work with an executive coach and my gift, the thing that I operate well in is taking something from a dream to reality. And this also works on the back end, taking a disaster and making it a positive. So I already have this like natural ability to take something that might be less than fortunate, maybe even a bad experience and saying, what can we get out of this to make it even better? Not everybody's born with that sort of mentality. So how do you take someone from an old mentality where they need to stay safe? They need that they need that intruder because that's the, the intruder keeps them safe. How do you talk people into being uh, less beholden to their intruder? Well, I love that. And I do get there are times when the intruder who is always there for safety. Yeah, you do want to be cautious. Don't be a crazy man and jump in front of a train and claim you're the maestro and he can't hit you. If you're on the track, it will hit you. So, I mean, I love the fact you're giving it balance. Uh, and again, whenever I hear myself saying this shouldn't be, I then um, I have trained my brain to then say, but what is the possibility? By just giving me that option, 
just letting me know there is another choice. Now, you can stay with this shouldn't be, and maybe you should. But before you just resign to this shouldn't be, let's take a moment to look. Could there be another possibility? See, if you just resign to it immediately, you're stuck with it. At least give yourself a little breathing room. Okay, I hear you, intruder, and I get that you're trying to keep me safe. But let's just take a moment, take a look. Could there possibly be a possibility? Possibility is freedom is power. They're all the same thing. If you are coming from power, you see possibilities everywhere and the freedom to move, act on them. If you're not, you don't find any possibilities because you're blinded to woe is me. And hence, you don't take any action but that which sustains where you are right now. All of this is making my mind go crazy in a good way, because I'm thinking of all these ideas and applying this to my life. In some ways, I'm imagining right now this intruder to be a mob boss. Like this mob boss has infiltrated my neighborhood and now they have me paying them rent to keep my house safe, to keep my business safe. But it's almost like confronting the mob boss, confronting this intruder is my path to freedom even my path to success. And one of the quotes that I always come across is success leaves clues and genius leaves strategies. What clues, what strategies can you leave us with, you know, all this wisdom that you've gained over your life? You've been a teacher, a real estate agent, and now a philosopher and a poet. What is your definition of success and how do you walk to that path today? First of all, I want to say thank you for the mob boss analogy <laughs> metaphor. I love that. It is a mob <laughs> boss. And you do have to confront it and let it know that uh, you don't want it there at all the time protecting you because it's robbing you of much more than what it's giving you. And I would say I lived for six weeks with a Maasai tribe. And there's a reason I tell you this quickly. And I learned they don't know how to lie. Maasai warriors, tribe members do not know how to lie. I mean, literally don't never learned how to lie. They're totally transparent. They never try to put on an act to look good. And they absolutely rely on themselves because they get, if they can't trust themselves out in the jungle, they're done. They don't rely on the chief or the others. They do at times, but when they're in the jungle, they know if it is to be, it's up to me. I think that if you took those Maasai warriors and put them in this culture, they'd all be CEOs of huge companies. And that's what I've learned to do. I don't lie to myself. When I promise myself I'm going to become a, 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 a great, a best-selling book author, which I already did with my last book, and then I met Margaret, I promise myself I'm going to keep my promise. See, I promise I won't lie to myself. And I'm totally transparent with everyone. I let them know what I'm up to, and I say it honestly and in service to everyone else. By the way, the Maasai tribe are always in service to each other. They're never trying to get a gain at the expense of another. So strange enough, if you want to know how to become a winner in life, just go back to the basics of the most primitive we were when we were simple Maasai tribe members, honesty, transparency, and for God's sakes, keep your promise to others and yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but win. Take that away if you're taking something away. I was watching, I think I was going through Instagram a couple of days ago, Simon Sinek came up in one of his presentations that he gives. He's the guy that wrote Start With Why. And he was talking about SEAL Team 6, right? SEAL Team 6 is the creme de la creme of the Navy SEALs. And he asked them why their team is so good. How do they choose their people? And he put people on an axis. He said, this axis is performance and this axis is trust. 
and they over-index on trust because they said that someone that's a high performer but has zero trust is someone that is toxic. It's a toxic team member. It's a toxic leader. So when you think about trust, I mean, trust is so utterly important. So why do people go away from trust. It seems like there's a separation. There's a lack of empathy because of things like social media. We're distanced from each other. So it seems like trust seems like a very rare virtue today. How do we bring trust back? How do we bring this and instill this in our kids to have them growing up with trust, just like the Maasai tribe that you discussed? Well, you spoke that marvelously. And in his example was also self-trust is everything. Even if you if you're religious, if you are going to trust in God, you got to trust in yourself because God's trusting in you. And I'm not being religious now, but you can't get away from, you've got to trust yourself. And if you do, you project it outwardly and others get, they can trust you. You're your word. You stand for what you say. And it is a sad state of affairs now, lying and fibbing and conniving and oh, our politics. And it's such a mess. And quite frankly, until we get back to what you just said, until we get back to starting to trust each other, you got to get that you can trust that life is going to give you what you give life. And if you give life a lot of crap, you're going to find life's going to hand it to you right back. So do trust that you deserve the best. And say every morning when you get up and look in the mirror and brush your teeth, hey, I say, hey, Rob, you deserve the best today, which means you're going to have to give the best today. And so constantly reminding myself of what my day is up to. And at the end of the day, I check in to say, how'd you do today, Rob? And if I didn't do well, I say, what can I learn from this? So I do better tomorrow. I don't beat myself up or discourage myself. And if I did really good today, I say, good job, Rob. And I smile at my face right in the mirror as I brush my teeth at the end of the day to go to bed. Powerful habits. I mean, the mic is literally on fire right now, Rob, with you know all the things that you're mentioning. <laughs> the insight that you have not only into life, but into yourself. I imagine myself as being, you know, some of those things that you described, a philosopher, a poet, a dreamer, a creative. And, you know, when I start to dissect who am I, it unravels into a lot of things. These things that I've unraveled aren't necessarily me because without me being a philosopher or a poet, I'm still me. Like, I don't need those characteristics in order to be myself. So question that I have for you is, who is Rob White beyond the philosopher, the poet, what are things that are within you that only you know outside of just the words that we paint on you? Well, what I find amazing about being a human being and about me is underneath all of that and going inch deeper, I am a clearing for any expression I choose to be. So there is no me. That's what makes it so interesting. There is no me. There's simply the space to be whatever I choose. Mm. Hence, then I have the opportunity to say, uh, rich man, poor man, beggar man, or thief. Which do you choose, Rob? Rich man. Then I start working from what would a rich man think? What does it, and by rich, I don't mean just selfish rich, make a lot of money, buy a Ferrari. I mean rich, help others with the money. Money can be good. If it can be evil, it can be good. And use it wonderfully. So I don't see there is a me or you. There is simply the clearing to be whatever you choose. And that's what makes you so fascinating. See, a squirrel can only be a squirrel, can only be a squirrel, a polar bear, only a polar bear. 
A human being can be whatever a human being wants to be. We can walk on the moon. We can swim underwater. With, with under, now we can do whatever we choose. That's the incredibleness of being a human being. Who are you, Rob? Today I'm an author, a poet, and I am a philosopher. And tomorrow I'll share, you know, when they said to Jesus, who, and I'm not religious, who are you, Jesus? He said, I am that I am. He stopped right there to mean whatever I choose to be in the next moment I am. So I'm not going to get you, stick you with one thing right now. That's a beauty, isn't it? Love it. That is absolutely incredible. And I think everything that you're saying is so true, super inspiring, but I'm sure there are still folks out there that they might hear the message, but they just feel like they don't have it in them for some odd reason. There's someone that's listening to this right now that like, I, this sounds great, but I don't know where to begin. How does someone start moving in that direction, becoming who they are and not be beholding to what they are today? Well, again, the moment I hear myself say, maybe this is as high as I can go, I realize that's the other self, the intruder, the counterfeit self, the great pretender. Oh, he's good at pretending he's me. And my God, he convinced the whole world he was me. I simply remind myself, oh, you're good. You've got a hold of my mind and are convincing me I can't make it. So I say to all the naysayers who think, well, Rob White was gifted. I don't have all that stuff. My God, you do. I'm not gifted with anything you don't have. But what I do know that you do now know is if I surrender to the intruder, he is going to come up with a thousand and one ways why Rob is gifted and I'm not. And I can't do what Rob did. Don't buy it. He's a great pretender, so good, he's convinced your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community, and even you that he's you, and he's not you, period. I'm fired up, Rob. I don't know how I'm going to come <laughs> off this podcast, but thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down on the mics with us. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you, the incredible wisdom that you have, and even get your book, what are the best ways that people can do that? Well, so you can come to robwhitemedia.com for my website and my book, The Maestro Monologue, can be found on Amazon Books, Barnes & Noble, where all great books are found. And I really love this conversation. Thank you so much, Ron and Chris. Thank you. The pleasure has been ours. We will be sure to drop the link to your website in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you and definitely buy your book. Thanks again, Rob. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee.